as well as we worship the Lord. Abraham Lincoln said that, um, it's accredited to him, that no man is poor who has a godly mother. And I say amen to that. I agree. Godly mothers. The message this morning, uh, I intend to encourage all the mothers here in their efforts to raise families that are following after God. It's not an easy job, and uh, we recognize that. And uh, we can, in all areas, uh, mothers and fathers, we, we need to grow in our efforts to, um, by God's help, to, uh, to be godly mothers and fathers. So this morning, if you are a mother that's committed to that effort, or if you were a mother and are still committed, godly grandmothers, or if you are one of those that someday might be a mother and want to be committed to that, if you influence a child, and maybe you're not even that child's mother, but you care for that child and you mentor that child, and you have influence on a child, then... Um, we want to encourage you with this message. The work you do is invaluable. There's no value that can place, be placed on uh, a godly mother, a godly influencer to a, the life of a child. Jesus honored mothers. Um, and I want, as we speak of mothers today, I want the fact that it is Christ through us, Christ through you, godly mothers, that we recognize that it is, it's the work of God through us. And we honor God in that. Jesus honored motherhood by choosing to come to this earth via a mother, through, through motherhood. God, the, the creator of the universe, he could have chosen countless ways to come. Uh, in, in any form, in any stage of life, but he chose to come through a virgin, through a woman, and be born of a woman. And then to show us the value that he places on women on mothers, as he hung on that cross and the pain racking his body. He was cursed and beaten and ridiculed and, and there he hung. And the very last moments of his life, he looked down and he cared for his mother. And he asked one of the disciples to, to, to watch after her, honoring his mother and caring for her and deep, showing his deep love for her. The calling of Godly mothers is the weaving of the cords of faith um, by faithful living, by faithfully teaching, and uh, creating like a net, a safety net for their children to be in. A beautiful, God-centered, Christ-loving vision of passing on faith to, their, to the next generation. It's not a small calling. And uh, the homemaker that creates a refuge, a place where children can come at any age. I see older children here this morning coming home to visit mom. That's wonderful. A safe place that they can come to at any time. That's the person that we'd like to encourage this morning. If you're striving for that, then God bless you. God, godly motherhood is, is, is a big deal. And men, we can help by encouraging our ladies and our wives in that to be all that they can be. 
And I was, as I was preparing, I was thinking motherhood, you know, it has its peaks and its valleys, times when we're blessed beyond measure because of motherhood and the joys of it, and then the valleys of when we fail, we can be so down as well, and the heartbreaks and the failures, and, but God does never leaves us alone. He is always there and caring for us. His mercies are new every morning. In Lamentations, it says, it is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his, his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So every morning, despite yesterday, we have the opportunity to try again. And so, uh, Lord bless you as you endeavor to be a godly mother. The book of 1 Samuel. Samuel, this was written in the late 10th century, about 930 B.C., years before Christ. Um, named after the prophet Samuel. Samuel was held in high esteem as a leader and strong spiritual leader of the children of Israel. And uh, this first book of Samuel covers about 100 years of time, the time of birth of Samuel to the death of Saul. And approximately 100 years of time is spanned here. Second Samuel is then a much shorter span covering the life of David. So what would the Old Testament book of Samuel have to do with Mother's Day? Well... It contains a story of motherhood that I think is a testament to godly motherhood. And I'd like to read this morning 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn there. 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1. And um, it's the story of, of Hannah. And uh, this morning I'd like to... Um, my t- the title of my message is A Godly Mother... Uh, 1 Samuel 1, and observations in the life of Hannah. And um, I, for the sake of the continuity of the story, I'd like to read the, the entire first chapter of 1 Samuel. So read along uh, and uh, listen, and let's get the story of what's happening in this woman's life. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramathium Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elu, Elihu, and the son of Tohu, and the son of Zuf, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went out, excuse me, and this one went this man went up of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were the priests of the Lord. They were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave Penina, his wife, and all her sons and her daughters, portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And here, here we have a picture of a, of a godly man, yearly. So he was faithful, and he would take his family, all of his children, his wives and his children, and probably his household, up to the temple to worship. And it says he gave out his portion to Penina and her, her sons and her daughters. 
and the portions that it was referring to, when they brought the sacrifice, the peace sacrifice, they would, part of it was, the blood was spilled by the altar. There were parts that were removed. Some of it went to the, to the, um, to the priests. And what was remaining, the family that brought it would then have that as their feast. And they would eat it, uh, the meat, and it would, be, it would be a celebration and a feast. And often it was the larger portion of that animal, whether it was a bullock or a lamb, would be eaten by the family. And they, would, they were to eat this in Leviticus. It said they were to eat it and nothing was to remain by morning. They could share it with their friends. They could share it with the poor. But they were, that was supposed to be consumed by, before morning. So that's what was happening here. And he would give portions to the, the children. And it would seem, just in reading it, that possibly... They would sit as families. Panina and her children would sit over here. Hannah would sit over here, and she had no children. And he would give them their portions, and he would give her a really good portion because he loved her. So that's the picture that we have here. He gave her a worthy portion, verse 5, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary, that was Panina, her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret. Because the Lord had shut up her womb. And we see here, it was the Lord's doing that she had no children. And as he did so year by year, every year that he would go, he was faithful in his going, Elkanah would take his family. And as he did so, verse 7, and as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, and therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to Hannah, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? And why is thou, thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after them, after they had eaten in Shiloh, after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat at the seat by the post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look upon the afflictions of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall, be no, there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Eli saw her. He was sitting there. She may not have realized he was even there. But he saw, what she, she saw, he saw this woman and her mouth was moving, but he didn't hear anything. Now Hannah, as she spake in her heart... Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. Verse 14, And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thine wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaiden to be a daughter of Belial. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli said, answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no longer sad, no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped for the Lord, and returned, and they came to their house in Ramah, and El. Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come, about after, about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, I have, been, I have asked him of the Lord. 
and the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his, and his vow. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be, be weaned, and then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord, and there abide forever. And Elkanah her husband said unto her, Do what seemeth to thee good, tarry until thou, hath, until thou have weaned him, only the Lord establish his word. So the, so the woman abode and gave her son suck until he weaned, she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and a bottle of wine and brought him into the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thy, as thy soul liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord gave me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore, also, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he live, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he, speaking of Samuel, worshipped the Lord here. And, and Hannah goes, it, the chapter 2 continues. She gave um, a, a, a prayer here and, and more of the story, but we're going to stop at chapter 1. We kind of see... Uh, the story, it's, I don't know how many years this was stretched over, but it was a number of years. Panina had sons and daughters before, before Hannah had, had Samuel, and all these times she was uh, mocking her and berating her. So Hannah, what, what are the observations we can learn from Hannah as a godly mother that can encourage us today? What Things that we can learn from her that that we all, you all, can do as well. And I have three points that I'd like to speak on briefly this morning. One of them, a godly mother knows God. She not only knows of God, but she knows God. They know the character of God. They know that God cares for them even in their distresses. Penina most likely knew of God. Hannah knew God. In 1 Corinthians 8, it says, But if any man love God, the same is known of him. Meaning that when we have a relationship with God, that not only do we know God, but God knows us. There is a, there is a time coming when, when men shall be at the judgment seat and, and, and Jesus will say, depart from, depart from me, I never knew you. It's important that not only do we know God, but that God knows us. Hannah, in verse 9, it says, this is, so on this particular year, she was, she was um, once again uh, berated, and uh, it says that after they had eaten, she sat quietly, she wasn't eating, after everyone had eaten, Hannah got up and she went on a walk. I don't know if they were right close to the temple or not, but she ended up at the temple. And it says that Hannah rose in verse 9 after they had eaten and after they had drunk. And she was in verse 10, she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Hannah got up, she rose from the table, and she went and got before the Lord. Elkanah, a good man, godly man. He heard her, but he didn't get her. 
He didn't understand. He didn't comprehend, fully comprehend the pain that she was in. She says she was in bitterness of soul. This thing was consuming her. Where do you go when you get in a state of bitterness of soul? Where do I go when we're in a place where we just don't know where to go anymore? There's so many wrong places to go. But Hannah got alone. She got alone with God, and she poured her heart out to God. She wept and she prayed. She knew God. This isn't the first time that she's went and prayed about this situation. This isn't the first time she's gotten alone before God to share her heart. She was in a familiar place before the Lord, before God. Do I, do you have a place where you go to meet the Lord, to pour out your heart before God? That's the point this morning is, do you know God in that way? Hannah knew God. She was pouring out the bitterness of her soul. And my question for myself is, do I even have enough of a relationship with God to come to a place like that? A place where I can pour out my heart and I know that God hears me. Godly mothers need a place. You need a place like this. A place where you get alone with God. And as she got alone, point number two is she was a praying. Godly mothers are praying mothers. Hannah was praying. Knowing God is one thing. Communicating with God is another. But they go hand in hand. Do you, when you communicate with God, pour out your soul. Hannah prayed. So she was pouring out her soul. <clears throat> Verse 10, it says she was with, with um, she rose and she, she, she was in bitterness of soul and she prayed unto the Lord. And look at her prayer. This is the prayer that she prayed in verse 11. It says there that, O Lord of hosts, she recognized God for who he was. He was the great, the sovereign God. He was the Lord of hosts. He was the Lord of the armies of God. He had, he had a host, an army of angels at his disposal. She recognized that. He was, he was the God. He was the leader. He was the head of the army of God. He was sovereign. If you would look at my situation, at my affliction, she says, Look at my situation, Lord. Look at what I'm in. I am in deep. But then recognize. She's saying, not only do I not have children, I have an adversary. That's my affliction. But then notice where she puts herself. Look on the affliction of thine, hand, of thine handmaid. She, she puts herself as a handmaid of the Lord. He is king. I am but your handmaid. This, this word is a primitive word meaning uh, referring to a maid or a, or, or a female slave. And she sees herself as, as one of those before the Lord. I don't see Hannah with her fists raised toward, raised toward the sky in anger towards God. No, I see her head bowed in humility. She is humble before the Lord. She views her lot as serving the Lord no matter what, Lord. Whatever comes, I will serve you. But this is my affliction. Hear me, O God. This is my plea. But I will serve you regardless. A godly mother, a godly person, anyone. If you're hearing this message this morning, 
in our distress, in our pain, in our crying out, in our crying out to God, we must still come in humility in order for him to hear us. Hannah came in humility. She prays a vow. She prays a vow. She, it says in verse 11 that she vowed a vow. And I want to make a declaration here just now. It would seem if you would just connect a straight line with the story of Hannah, that she vowed a vow and then she had a child, that this does not always happen. My declaration is that we cannot manipulate God. We can vow a vow, we can make a promise, but we cannot assume that our promises, that our promises will somehow force the hand of God. That's not the way it works. Sometimes God has other things in mind for our lives. Sometimes we pray with all our might and it doesn't come the way we think it should. We cannot manipulate God, but should we vow and should God answer our prayer, he will us hold us, he will require us of us our, our vow, our promise. Numbers in Numbers 30, it would indicate that when we vow a vow, it's like binding us, binding our soul in a bond. We have to be careful what we say. In, in Ecclesiastes 5, it says that when thou vowest a vow before God, defer not to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay which, that which thou hast vowed. Better it is to not vow than to vow and not, that shouldest not pay. But she vowed a vow. As she prayed, she vowed a vow. And then it says that, so it, she made this vow, and then it says that um, it seemed like that was a, a, a portion of her prayer. And then in verse 12 it says, and, and it came to pass as she continued praying before the Lord. So she continued on in her prayer before the Lord. I don't know if this was common in this time of history that the women would pray uh, in this culture and in this time, but she was as a godly woman, was there and she was praying at the temple. Her lips were moving, but she was praying in her heart. And that's what Eli, the priest, had seen. <clears throat> so much, she was so in, her, in the world between her and God that, that Eli thought she was drunk and approached her on that... On that um, but when he realized her situation, she explained it to him, the grief in her heart. Then in verse 17, he blesses her. He blesses her and he says, May the God of Israel grant thee thy petition which thou hast asked of him. And God brought a peace on her at that moment. I think it's a beautiful picture of God bringing peace to a really, really hard situation. And she went and she ate and she was no longer sad, it says. I see faith here. I see her seeing, saying, I have prayed, I've poured out my heart before God. And now I believe him for whatever answer he will bring me, I accept it. And, and it, it brought, there's a, there's a measure of faith and trust here. A godly mother is, a godly mother knows God. A godly mother is a praying mother. And point number three is, godly mother is a trusting mother. Here, she trusted in God and it brought peace to her heart. She had prayed Nothing had changed at this point. She still had no children, but peace had come, and she was trusting. 
when they went, when she went back to the camp, the next morning they rise and they worship, her family circle was still empty and Panina's was full and yet she was trusting God. She knows that God has heard her prayer and she was connected with her heavenly father and she is trusting him. Can we learn, can I learn to place my burdens at the foot of the cross and leave them there like Hannah did? Leave them there. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I trust God will answer my prayers in some way. Leaving my burden, my sadness, my, my attitudes, my pouting, whatever it is, leaving it all there and live in peace and joy that can only come when God is speaking to my heart. That kind of joy. Living out my, my Christian walk with the joy of the Lord in me because I know that he will take care of my burdens. It's much easier said than done. But God is able. That's what Hannah did, a trusting mother. God did hear her prayer, and he did give her a son. And she named him Samuel. God doesn't always answer our prayers so directly. Sometimes it's indirectly. But we cannot manipulate God. He listens, he hears, he cares. But it is according to his will that he answers. And in this case, he gave her her son. A trusting mother. She trusted God for the answer. And now that she had her answer, the trusting wasn't over with. So Samuel was young. And for three years she stayed at home while Elkanah in his faithfulness went on to the temple, to, to Shiloh, to, to worship and to offer. She stayed home. And after three years, in verse 28, she took Samuel back with her. Or took Samuel with her. And this is what she told Eli. Therefore, also, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped there. Trusting God enough to know that God is going to take care of my son. I prayed for him. I wanted him. And now I'm giving him back to the Lord. I won't see him but once a year. What a trusting mother. Mothers, moms, can you trust your children to God? It takes faith and trust to do that. But Hannah did that. She, was, she knew God. She prayed to God and she trusted God for her son. So there she left him with Eli and there was probably staff at the temple who we don't really know. I don't really know for sure but there was probably people that would take care of situations like this where they would take care of young Samuel but he was just a little boy. And um, that's chapter one of Samuel and the life of Hannah, a faithful godly mother and I was blessed as I was studying and, and reading this. There is one portion yet that always grips my heart in chapter 2. So realizing the El Elkanah is faithful going back every year, he's going back for the sacrifice. And his family is going with him. And um, so now Hannah has left her son there. And I can imagine every year she's looking forward to this trip because she might just get to see her son. And... Um, as they get closer, as they approach the temple, she's, you know, looking out 
to the side to see if she sees him. In chapter 2, verse 18, is a, uh, is a little, just a little glimpse of this godly mother. It says there in chapter 2, verse 18, But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded in a linen ephod. So he was just a little, little guy, but he was ministering before the Lord. Moreover, verse 19, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Isn't that a beautiful picture of a mother caring for her child? But it always almost breaks my heart that it wasn't just a coat she brought. It was a little coat. Because Samuel was just four and five years old. He was just a little guy, but he was there by himself with Eli, and, but his mom brought him a coat. That's always ble- that blesses me. A faithful, godly mother. I would like to read one more scripture in the New Testament, speaking of godly mothers. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, here we have Paul reminding Timothy of his godly mother. 1 Timothy chapter, excuse me, it's 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Just a short scripture, verses 14 and 15. It says here that, um, but continue thou, Paul speaking to Timothy, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou, was, thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. A couple phrases in here. Knowing of whom, knowing of whom you have learned them, is referring, he, he learned things from Paul, but it's referring back to his childhood and to his mother. In first. In 2 Timothy 1.5, a couple chapters before, it says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, a godly woman, and in thy mother Eunice, a godly mother, I am persuaded that in thee also. So Paul is reminding Timothy here in, in, verse, in chapter 3, verse in 314, he's, 15, he's saying, Remember the character of your mother. Remember how your mother lived to remind you how you should live before the Lord. There's no shadow of doubt that her heart was towards the Lord, and that's the way yours should be as well. When the winds of turmoil come and doubt come, put your remembrance in her. What, what the things you've learned from her? Here a godly mother took Timothy as a child and spoke to him of things of God about God. So mothers, don't, ask, don't underestimate the power you have of training your children the, the ways of the Lord. The Bible stories you read, the lessons you teach them, don't think your teaching is in vain. There's a portion that sticks and someday there will be a reaping for what you have sown. And that motivates the idea that there will be a time of reaping. It motivates us to teach our children character building, godly things, starting early. The influence of godly mothers, the influence of godly parents 
can make our children wise unto salvation through the faith in Jesus Christ, just like it did for, for, for uh, Timothy here. I encourage you, it may look like a daunting task, and maybe some days it looks like nothing is happening, but stick with it, mothers and fathers, because it is worth it. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We honor you, first of all, and we honor godly mothers today. We ask, Lord, that you give them wisdom to raise their children, to run their families, to mentor those that they mentor and care for in ways that will influence them towards the kingdom, ways that we can never imagine. And would the children that are influenced, even today in this church, become mighty workers in your kingdom from here going forward. We ask, Lord, that you would do this for your honor and for your glory, for your goodness. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.